This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and this is the weekend roundup. We're going to round up exactly what went down at the weekend with Brentford, Griffin Park, New Griffin Park, and everything else. My name is Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here at the end of the weekend in the virtual joint. We're back in the virtual joint. We spent far too long in the pub over the weekend celebrating what happened as Brentford beat Arsenal 2 0 at New Griffin Park in our first game in the Premier League. And I'm sitting here with the charms. I've got Lady in the house. Lady, how are you? Yeah, I'm still buzzing, Bill, um, to be honest with you. Yeah, I've spent the rest of the weekend. Um, I've, I've got a couple of long walks, but I've kind of immersed myself in the uh, first weekend of the Prem, seeing the other teams that we'll be playing. And um, yeah, just thoroughly enjoyed being part of that top table party, mate. Excellent, excellent. I've also got Robin Hood in the house. Robin, how are you? Uh, still basking in the glory of uh, a couple of evenings ago. Yeah, it's been a lovely, it's been a lovely weekend, relaxing, taking it in, just keeping the um, yeah, just keeping my, keeping the energy quite high, keeping the enjoyment of what's to come and what has happened on Friday night. Yeah, it's all good. Listen, so look, we're going to get right into this because, like I said, this is the weekend roundup. And we thought in this podcast, we're actually just going to go in and we're going to hit it hard. We're just going to talk about points from the weekend and uh, and what made us happy, what made us sad, one things that maybe we might have to look out for and, uh, and, and what we need to do going forward. But look, so guys, just... Going back to that game, I mean, brilliant game, brilliant atmosphere, a lot of anticipation, it has to be said. I mean, the whole world was, uh, was eyes was on Brentford. All of a sudden, it's like the Brentford and the Brentwood and the Brent Bradford and all these places that people have got no idea about. All of a sudden, they were calling us up. You know, we got a ridiculous amount of phone calls and emails, you know, to, to, to represent as it was. And I just thought, my God, Brentford have finally arrived and people actually know who we are i mean laney i'm just wondering what was your main takeaway from that whole day that whole experience yeah you, you do realize that how just ridiculous the microscope is is going to be now you know the it literally is the world you know we, we did that premier league um tv show um on the roof um overlooking the the new stadium and that was going out to 160 countries i mean you know uh, 
sometimes we've been on podcasts that don't go out to 160 people so you know it's 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 just a completely different completely different level of of everything um and i i think you know it was just important on friday that we just didn't get overwhelmed by all of that you know you saw on the side of the pitch there was five or six different kind of lights there for tv crews around the world um and the players didn't they didn't bottle it you know they 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 reveled in it and you know we we, we knew they were capable of it and they, they actually seized the moment and um they did us all so proud and um i, I just you know I, I, it bodes so well for the rest of the season that we just didn't buckle on day one um and we got three points on the board Listen, Robin, just give me one takeaway that you had from that, like I said, that high school. I say the experience because it's not necessarily from the game. It's from, it might be before the match. It might be after the match. It might be a reflection. Just one takeaway that you had. One takeaway, I think, is that that stadium is premiership and Brentford ready. It was um, it was just such a blinding experience to be there. Uh, the emotions were running high, obviously, the first time it was Full, you know, full of fans. Obviously, we had the Bournemouth game and a couple of games in uh, in the middle of last season. But yeah, that that stadium absolutely got to me. The the seats. I'm you know still with my chums. I'm still with the Headwood. Um, the people around us meeting these new people that you're going to be sitting next to or standing next to and spending a lot you know 90 minutes every two weeks with. It was yeah, it was very very special. And yeah, that one takeaway for me was that it already is starting to feel like home. I'm not going to say it's already home because, you know, Griffin Park is still quite fresh in the memory, but new Griffin Park, Brentford Community Stadium, as a, you know, is as a stadium, is Premiership and Brentford ready. And I'm really, really pleased to be there with a full capacity. Richard, sounds really good as well. And interesting, and I'm, I'm not going to throw a, a negative slant on this or anything like that, but it's just interesting how you mentioned it because obviously we're talking about the stadium, how it's Premiership ready. You're actually all in your new seats, which means that you've got basically got your seats with uh, that you've chosen, which, you know, if you're down the Ealing Road, you would you'd have a standing space and you can, you know, if you didn't like it, you'd move somewhere else. But now you're stuck in your seats and the people who have bought their seats around you, they're there. And we're not used to that. I'm not used to that at all. Um, which is an interesting scenario because if you've got lovely people around you, then you have a nice time. Uh, unfortunately, we got a few reports. There are a few people that weren't overly happy with what was going on around them. There are a few racist incidents, unfortunately, at Griffin Park that went down where a few people, you know, felt very uncomfortable. And uh, Brentford fans around them saying certain things which weren't good. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting that out there because I know a lot of people say that doesn't happen at our club. But it's interesting when you get all seat a stadium and then you're in a zone that you're not normally in, all of a sudden things flash up that they don't normally do. So one thing I say is that don't rest on your laurels, please, fans. If you're going to stamp this stuff out, then we need to be on the on the ball and we can't let these things happen in and around our wonderful club and our wonderful stadium. Laney, I mean, you've taken your main takeaway. For me, I'm, I'll have a main takeaway. We'll talk more about this on the Thursday podcast as well. You know, Wednesday night when we go down the pub, we'll have much more of a chat. For me, I'm going to just give one takeaway that I thought, and a lot of people say, well, what's that got to do with it? But the one thing that I realised is... <clears throat> We've spent so much in the lower leagues, you know, we've spent a long time in the, in the EFL, in the Division One Championship, Division Two. And what really made me realise, like, you know, especially in the last week, you know, how many people and the eyes on us and, and it's just a different vibe. Basically, people, most people have got no idea about the championship. And, uh, and a lot of people don't really care about the championship. Now, I love the championship. I still think it's the best league in the world. I think it's so exciting. And I think it's really sad because I think, you know, these are 
footmen to be football people, but as soon as it comes to Premier League, they're all over it and they think it's the best thing in the world. But with the championship, we were desperate to put our head above the parapet and it, and it wasn't happening and it's really, really hard to do. And now you can see how difficult it is because people literally, they're not interested. And I think that's a real shame. And I think there may be, there's a little bit of a job to do out there for somebody or people who are actually very good at marketing to actually kind of get the championship to a level above where it is now or two or three levels above because I think it really deserves it with the teams that are in there and the football that's being played but at the moment now there's a lot of no interest in in that league and that's a it's a real real shame but anyway listen coming back to this guys I mean Robin I'm just wondering for you you know obviously we had a team out there we got a few new players we got a, a, a lot of players from you know, from from the original Brentford team for last season who was the Brentford eye catcher for you in the Arsenal game um, well, I think a lot of people will say the obvious candidates, but I'm, <clears throat> for me, I was, I'm going to have to say Vitaly, Vitaly Janelt. Um, he was, he is just an absolute machine. He has a never-ending battery, and considering that this, he's 22 years old, signed for what 500k. Uh, last summer, he's now probably a 10, 15 million pound player. He didn't look overawed by the occasion. He didn't look as though he was out of his depth. He was well and truly in his league, and I think for a young player of his cali- of his age relative experience to make the step up in and in, in over the course of a whole 12 months should we say because let's not forget he was signed in august and made his debut in s- september so he's not even been with the club a full calendar year for him to then step up and do put in that performance against um a relatively tough arsenal midfield okay maybe he'll come up against bigger opponents but i thought he was absolutely outstanding and just continued he just continues to get better and better almost with every game and yeah i'm really excited to see how he kicks on from that performance so that was my superstar yeah he was good uh dnl most definitely and like i said we're going to discuss a lot this a lot more in the podcast on on wednesday when we've got more people in the studio or in the pub you know but i'm just asking you know to, to pick out one player out there that kind of did it for you and laney which player for, for Brentford did it for you on Friday night? Yeah, Robin's Robin's taking you now, so I'll I'll change the uh, the, the 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 scope onto um, Brian and Bumo. I, I, I thought uh, if he'd have had an Arsenal shirt on, he he, he would have been their man in the match. Um, he hit the post. He should have scored when he kind of was through. Had to check, did his trick. Um, he was full of running. Um, a really brilliant outlet. Uh, he, he looked Premier League quality um, as he has done all pre-season and at the tail end of last year um, he's hit the ground running and I can't wait to see him and the Premiership will be talking about him probably all season long he's a real real talent and the other one was Pinnock I thought Pinnock was just quality mate yeah, yeah. And, and asking me as well, you know, you stole my little Pinnock because I say Pinnock was a good, he played really well. Well, I think the defence all played really well. The sweeping up of the Arsenal, I think they did a fantastic job. Again, if you look at the other side where Arsenal had a player, £50 million, Ben White was there and obviously he had a you know, obviously that noose is around his neck. I probably not use that phrase actually. It's an anchor around his, around his, around his leg actually with a £50 million pound. Uh, price tag, which makes it quite difficult for him. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's got a sort of kind of, you know, he's got to you know, match up to that price. And I think Pinnock, he just was so cool and calm and collected. And I went down to Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday, very relaxed. It's lovely having an afternoon off in the sun, sat down in a pint and I was chatting to about Dulwich chums and everyone was coming up to me. I had my Brentford shirt on and they were going, oh, you lot were great yesterday. Ethan Pinnock, oh, what a great player. I can't 
can't believe he used to be here. What a lovely bloke. So there's a lot of love for us, you know, because obviously the link between Pinnock and, and Hamlet. So it was actually a nice Saturday sitting out there with all, with just, you know, having a few beers in the sun, watching football with no pressure on and having people coming up to us, congratulating us and them having a player who played for them actually playing in the Premier League now. But for me, the player who, I tell you, he had a game and a half was Sergi Canos. Okay, Sergi Canos, a player that we were question marks as to where he's going to fit in the side. Will he be able to actually kind of match up to this division? Will he be okay in this division? Because, you know, sometimes he was hot and cold. And especially at the beginning of last season, remember he came under a lot of abuse last season as well from certain members in the of, of, of the fan base, you know, but that kind of turned itself around. But he had a game and a half yesterday. He scored a fantastic goal. You know, the way that he played, he played, you know, at the wing back, you know, there's a couple of situations where, you know, where um, you know, the, the opposition got away, you know, but in general, he was fantastic and his tackling as well. I mean, he actually, <laughs> he actually, I think he won more tackles than anybody else. He had, I think Sergi had the seven tackles in the game and, and then the next was Janelt with three, like, you know, and Rico with three. So he was like, you know, properly getting stuck in this. I think Sergi for me done a really really fantastic job and he deserved that goal that he got now and you can see that he was obviously very very happy I'm just wondering you know for Arsenal obviously they didn't win the game uh, but they're no mugs they've got some great players they've got some good players you know who for me was the Arsenal eye catcher for you Laney I'll give it to Saka um, just just because it gave everyone um uh, an excuse to stand on their feet and, and applaud him. And I thought he actually, he did all right when he came on, to be honest with you. He, he gave him a bit more energy for, for, for a period of time. Um, I just thought that was one of the, the best moments for me, um, was, was just kind of like both sets of fans taking to their feet and showing sort of like this, a brilliant side of, of, of the game. Um, you know, we, we, we showed more uh, manners in, 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 that, in that 10 seconds than Arsenal fans have shown um, in the 48 hours that have followed that game, I think. Um, Why do you say that, Lady? Well, I think the, I, I've, I've, looked on tw- I've looked on Twitter a lot and I've, I've not engaged and I've not sort of, um, I've not kind of uh, gone back and, and, and bickered with anyone. I've kind of just kind of absorbed it. But um, I've, I've rarely seen a, a more... Um, entitled, um, uh, salty, ignorant response to um, to Brentford's win. Then again, you know, from from the you know from a, a sizable uh, number of Arsenal fans and bloggers um, who uh, just didn't even have the grace to kind of say well done. You know, I've read blogs about. Um, just literally ripping apart our stadium and our then our team and our town and um, it's just it's just like like it, you know he's like a middle aged experienced blogger but he's like writing like a twelve year old um, and and you know there's there's like a big thread of like how the uh, sky have turned down all the microphones near the Arsenal fans so it made them sound like they weren't there I mean and the atmosphere within our stadium was non-existent apparently but every single pundit every single person every single press person every Brentford fan the video that I just put up this morning shows just how wonderful how stunning the atmosphere was um yeah okay you know Brentford itself is not going to win any awards as a, as a town in <laughs> it won't be this won't be the European city of culture or heritage anytime soon but it's you know it's it's just a an honest part of London just just as Highbury is and so you know I just uh it, yeah it just comes over as just really salty and uh, uh I just I just think they need to get a grip 
Robin, I mean, yeah, listen, I hear your point, Laney, and I think we'll talk about this a lot more at the podcast on, on, on Wednesday night as well when we're in the pub. You know, we've got a bit more time as well. Robin, I'm just wondering, you know, you, you talk about your Arsenal danger person. What are you saying? Um, well, I was going to say Saka for the exact same reasons as Laney, um, but uh, I'll go with Emil Smith-Rowe, I think is the obvious choice. Uh, he just had that sort of that quality on the turn, really good one-twos, little triangles, uh, and I don't think the rest of... Uh, Arsenal's team were at his level on the certainly not on the night. Yeah, he just had that. He just had that little sparkle of something that he could create. Something you know, a real chance from nothing. Um, and had he, I think, if he was a bit more of a clinical finisher, he might have scored when he sort of ran at our defence a little bit. And uh, having done Norgard, but yeah, he was the player who was sort of at least trying to pull the strings. So um, I don't think it was a standout day for any Arsenal player really in terms of their performance. But yeah, I think Smith Rowe was the one player who looked like he was gonna you know actually bring something to the table. He did that a few years ago as an 18-year-old when we played them at the Emirates and he, he looked good then. But um, I think, yeah, he still obviously needs to develop that more sort of clinical final ball, clinical shot. But yeah, I think he was absolutely, he was he was very, very good. But again, that's just another testament to Frank the Tank and Norgard and Vitali for managing to sort of keep him relatively quiet. Um, but yeah, I'd, so I'd say it was it was um, Smith Rowe. But yeah, I'd, I'd mirror Laney's comments about Saka. It was a really nice moment. Yeah, Smith Rowe, like I said, scored against Huddersfield or scored for Huddersfield against uh, was it Fulham or West Brom? I can't remember. He scored anyway, and it, it got us jumping up and down all over the place the last season. I remember that at the Globe. Um, Smith, but the Smith Rowe goal that was fantastic. But um, for me, actually, I thought Tierney had a good game. Um, yeah, Tierney had a good game. Uh, he, he, he's the one that's trying to give Canos problems down that. Down that uh, well, down his left hand side as well. So Kennel said to be on the ball with him. So I thought Tierney was uh, was doing he was doing all right, trying to feed all the other players and trying to kind of get in behind our defenders and that you know. So I think he's they've done all right. But again, we, I think we've done really well in keeping them out. And like I said, we'll you know we'll talk about that again on Thursday. Um, I'm just interested in you guys. I mean, stinker of the match. And we say that, what was a stinker of the match? Or maybe I should even say stinker of the day, because it doesn't necessarily have to be in the match. It might have been something that happened in and around the, the game itself. Um, I'll, go, I'll go Arsenal fans singing. Um, I, thought they, I thought Arsenal fans had an absolute stinker. I didn't, I didn't, didn't feel, um, you know, we had Darren on, um, on, the, on the Thursday podcast saying, you know, we'll be in for a you know, um, a, you know, a demonstration of how brilliant they are at uh, creating an atmosphere. I, I, I heard pretty much nothing from them um, in a stadium that's designed to, uh, you know, keep in the atmosphere. Um, I know the team didn't really give them a lot to sing about, but, you know, uh, even at 1-0 down or even when they were 0-0, I, I didn't hear anything. So, yeah, Arsenal fans' um, vocal support, i say that was a stinker of the night. Robin? Uh, yeah, again, I, I'm, I mirror, I mirror Lane, what Lenny said. Um, I'm going to go with. It's tough because I don't think there were really many. All I have of the, Friday, you know, Friday the thirteenth evening was um, just happy memories and joyous memories. I guess the stinker was when I had to leave the stadium. Uh, I think the stinker was when the match ended, and because it was just such a, it was just such a wonderful the, the performance of the team, the way that we, you know, put in that showing on our debut on the world stage in the premiership uh, the lap at um at the end of the at the end of the match with all the players coming around to thank the fans um seeing thomas frank live running over to woody and giving him that sort of uh that 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 thanks personally and creating what i think is just an Im- impeccable impossible uh moment of c- capturing just that cheer moment of joy 
that football can create. Um, so I'd say, yeah, the stinker, the stinker was um, having, having you know, when the game ended, really, because it was such a good game. I'm sure it was for the neutral. I was enjoying it. Uh, so, yeah, that would have to be my stinker. But, yeah, I just think the Arsenal fans uh, and their, obviously their post-match reaction, uh, maybe they're just not used to a noisy, full-capacity stadium. <laughs> I hear that as well. Um, I mean, I, I think they've probably been to a few stadiums that have been quite noisy. But I think, obviously, we took them a little bit by shock on that one. Stinker of the, stinker of the, stinker of the day for me. I mean, there could be a number of ones. I mean, I mentioned the the, 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 the racism within the stadium, which, again, it's, it's going to be isolated because we're going to talk about single people in certain seats, but we should have zero of that. OK, and I'm not going to bang on about that, but I just want to highlight the fact that it is there and people need to be aware of it. And if you see it, you just need to do something about it. So that was a bit stinky for me. But let me bring it back to the game itself. I think stinker of the day has got to be, I'd say it has to be um, the Arsenal goalkeeper, Leno. I mean, he's not the main reason why they lost, because obviously we out-battled them in a number of ways. You know, Ivan Tony versus Ben White. I mean, Ivan Tony beat him on a number of occasions in the air. I mean, they were probably worried about Ivan Tony trying to stick the ball in the back of the net, but he was just interested in getting his head to the ball and flick it on to somebody else to score. So I think that, you know, that, that there was a little bit of a stinker going on there. But I think Leno, you know, the fact that he was beaten, what was it with that first, with the, with the kennel shot? You know, very good shot as well. But I mean, that was a 4% chance. So four in a hundred of the shots in that position normally actually go in the back of the net. So for Leno to have been, been beaten there, that was a bit of a like a, whoa, what's going on there? And also for the second goal, you've got to put the question mark as well. I mean, I thought Pontus did really well doing the shielding act as he did, like, you know, and basically shielded Leno so that he couldn't kindly come out and <laughs> just let the ball. Um, some few people saying as a foul, but interestingly, Arteta, when he was asked, was it a foul? He said, no, it's allowed in this in, in, in football and it's fine, you know, and, and my team have to be a lot stronger. And I thought that, you know, Leno, listen, I think you need to maybe you're a Premier League goalkeeper, mate. You know, I mean, I thought that you would have known all the little tricks of the book, but I think there's a big stinker for me. In that match, like, you know, so, uh, but look, I mean, looking ahead, we won 2-0. We are very temporarily top of the league as well, which is a marvellous situation to be in. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been knocked off by, I don't know, we've knocked off by Man United, you know, but we're still above Manchester City at the moment now as well. <laughs> so surreal. But um, I'm just thinking the positives, just give us one positive that came out of that game for you, Laney. The, the, the positive was the atmosphere. The, 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 just the, well, obviously the three points, obviously the, um, the relief of getting off the mark and not being languishing for weeks on end without a point and without a victory and you know, having all those things building up in your head, making you question whether you're, you know, you're in the right place or is it going to be a nightmare. Um, so, yeah, the, the real positive for me, though, was just the incredible singing um, inside that ground and it's, it's something that should continue I know we're not going to win every week um, and I know that there's going to be times where you know the world-class players really um, they really hurt us you know we're not going to be able to win every tackle we're not going to be able to cut out every every threaded pass these are the best players in the world um, but I guess the other positive is you know we've shown that we can compete when the world-class teams are not quite on it and we are we're a match for anyone. So, yeah, that's another positive. Robin, just one positive from you? Uh, one positive for me would be, I think, Rico Henry's performance, quite understated in my opinion. Uh, he's went up against Nicolas Pepe, who is, you know, regardless of what you think about transfer fees or quality or anything like that, he's an, he's an £80 million player. And he went up against him. And although, and you just saw, I think, 
it epitomised Brentford. It, so you saw how Rico Henry grew and grew in more confidence. You know, before, for the first 20 minutes, it was just, OK, you know, pick up the ball back to Pinnock, pick up the ball back to Raya. And then slowly but surely, he started to be able to match pace with Nicolas Pepe, match sort of skill, shall we say, and started actually making more runs up the field and down the left. So that's one positive for me is the way that Rico stepped up. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, I could go into the, uh, the other ways in which the performances like David Raya proved he could step up. Uh, to this level, Sergi Canos, uh, Pontus Janssen, I think, obviously not against the most um, incredible of strikers, but I think a lot of our players showed that they're they're sort of they're ready for this. They're they're not here, they're here to just oh this is fun. We're playing against the best in the world, and if we go down uh, at the end of the season, who you know who cares? We played in the Premiership. They're they're there to compete, and they're they're ready to compete. And I think yeah, players like Rico Henry and Vitali Janelt um, and Brian and Burma, they all really really encapsulated that. And yeah, that. So I mean, you've picked. I mean, we've given your uh, your positives because you've thrown in a load of positives in there. So you've nabbed a load of my ones in there. But my main one was the fact that we we actually don't seem to have. Sometimes we sign new players and we have a, a cooling cooling off period, as it is, or a, or, a, or a running in period. If you've got a new car, the period that you need to kind of get them up and running quite quickly. Like, you know, so that's quite difficult. And I think that becomes difficult for us because we normally start the seasons very slowly. Even last season, we started relatively slowly. Season before that, we were starting very slowly as well because we had players who were actually trying to get up to speed, trying to blend in, trying to kind of, you know, to, to get to grips with the, the league. This um, season, it looks like, from what I can see, that the new players that have come in are, are, are ready to go. And I think that probably what comes with... Uh, spending more money, you know, having a bigger budget. So what you're doing is that you're actually picking up players who are actually kind of much more match ready. Whereas beforehand, smaller budget in the championship, we'd have to buy players who we pick them up for, you know, 1.2 to 3 million pounds. But those players who eventually become 10, 12, 50 million pounds, it takes us three months, four months, six months for them to get up to speed. So that for me, I thought was really positive. Aja, I think he looks proper Rolls Royce. Frank the Tank, you know, I keep going on about him. Frank the Tank on Yaka, he's just, uh, he's just, uh, he's a character, you know, he's just, he's right in there. So I think the fact that, you know, you've got those guys fitting in and then people like Sergi seem to be stepping up, you know, uh, Pontus is stepping up, Ethan Pinnock is stepping up. That's a massive thing for us because it means that we're going to keep chugging along rather than playing catch up, fingers crossed. So very happy about that. We've been all talking about the positives that we saw from this game or picked out a positive anyway. Just one thing that you think we need to look out for, though, from Brentford, just watching that game. A little fear that you might have. Well, my fear is going to go behind, you know, um, it's going to happen. Um, my, my, my fear is just take, t- taking it like everything is going to go our way you know, that that's that's the, the the only negative and that that's kind of like not really a negative it's just kind of like the reality is that it isn't all going to be like friday night it just isn't and you know everyone was happy apart from one or two people and everyone was euphoric leaving that ground and we are going to get turned over a fair few times this season so <clears throat> yeah that's 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 my concern <laughs> that's, my, that's my one worry my one worry is just that you know it, it all seems so easy and it all seems it all seems so perfect at the moment and uh you know I'm, I'm happy to happy to ride that wave for as long as possible but i know that i'm going to fall off the surfboard yeah but i suppose Laney, i mean looking at that and obviously that's the fear that everyone's got but it's how the players handle it and it's how we handle it really as fans because the fact is that you know 
when we talked about this before, there's some fans that have been supporting this club that, to be honest, you haven't really seen any bad days. From 2013, we've just been on the up, you know, Uwe Rosler, you know, then Mark Warburton, then, you know, Dean Smith. We've just been getting better and better. And all they've seen is decent football. So if you started really following the club in the last sort of seven, eight years or so, you know, you've just seen decent football. So uh, all of a sudden, if, if we start to have a bad turn, you know, how are those fans going to actually deal with it? And I think that is where it is at. It's kind of like, you know, having the patience, having realising that there's a long-term thing going on here and actually kind of not ruining it for everyone else. Don't you think so? Yeah, yeah, a million percent. Yeah, 100%. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all on a learning curve. The players, the fans, the club, the manager, the DOFs, the owner, all of us. Um, if we can survive this year, we're only going to get better and, and bigger and, um, and, and more able to compete. We can already compete. We know that we've got a brand of football. Um, we just have to, you're right, we have to, when we fall off the bike, dust ourselves down, go again on, on, on the next weekend. We're, we're, we are in the right division. We are a premiership football club. And, you know, as I said, it's not going to go our way every, every week, but we now know that we can win at this level and we can win against teams that will finish in the top five, top ten. And that's going to be critical. That's right, right. And, and while I remember this as well, because we're things to watch out for, if you're out there, watch out for Karen B&B, because the Karen B&B, if you listen to the post-match podcast, I was chatting to him, I haven't seen him for 30-odd years, and uh, he said that he'd come back and he's here for a few weeks and stuff, and then we exchanged things and said things, and he said that we might sort him out a few things, and then I forgot to take his telephone number. So it's Karen b If anyone goes to Karen b tell him to get in touch with us on the email, sort of or to direct message us or Instagram or whatever else that you do to try and get hold of us, because um, we need to speak to the Caribbean b But um, Robin Hood, um, things that we need to watch out for. One thing you think that we just need to watch out that you picked up from that game. Okay, I could go for a couple of things, but my one thing that we need to watch out for is Ivan Tony getting injured. Um, I think the Saturday, Friday evening proved just how crucial he is to our game, even when he's not scoring goals. He's not just a goal scorer and an assist provider. The way he can, you know, create things for other players by his sheer presence, the way he can knock, you know, centre-backs off the ball, hold the play up, track back to defend in the 90, 93rd, 94th minute when we're 2-0 t- up. He's such an integral part of the way we play. I wouldn't say we're going to be as overly reliant on him this season as last season because he's not going to get as many goals, but it's the his overall game and the way he contributes to the team, both ends of the pitch, and the way he is just going to be such a focal point, even when he isn't scoring the goals or getting the assists. Uh, the sheer focus and attention on him will sh- will really benefit players like Brian and Burmo and Marcus Force and Canos and Matthias Jensen and bring sort of help give them more opportunities to get goals and get assists and stuff like that because all the focus and attention is going to be on the 33 goal striker from the championship. He's an incredible player and a real sort of a real really powerful front man. And yeah, I think what Friday evening showed and what the game against Arsenal showed is that you could put him up against a 50 million pound very very talented defender and he'll bully him off the park so I think yeah my one fear would be if how we adapt if he gets injured this isn't the first time something like this has happened where we've had players key players get injured and we've had to adapt and improvise and overcome that but yeah I think in this league of all leagues Ivan Tony getting injured would be my one fear and for me I think what we need to watch out for is we have to be careful you know listen we've had a great start to this season and yeah and just looking at Arsenal listen if you go to Pride of West London on Wednesday we're going to do the podcast we're going to have Will the spreadsheet Wink who's going to keep giving us more stats and facts of what went down you know we had big two big chances actually Norgard 
had two chances, actually, one of them that he scored and one of them, it was a few minutes, uh, I think it was a few minutes afterwards, actually, or a few, yeah, a few minutes afterwards, which he didn't score as well, or it might have been the other way. Yeah, a few minutes after that, he didn't score as well, Christian Norgard, nearly 50%, you know, and the one that he scored was 57%. So he had two massive chances, Norgard as well. And then we had another chance, but the the the, the, um, the, the Canos chance was a Ben Rama-esque type chance, which, you know, we technically shouldn't have gone in the back of the net, but it did. You know, Arsenal, we actually kept them packed really massively. They had loads of shots. They had like 22 shots. But if you look at them, they were shooting from 30 yards, 25 yards, 20 yards, you know, but they had Belagun who had a shot, you know, in the in about in the half an hour, which was about 20%. So one in five of those normally go in the back of the net. And I think again, you know, Laney sort of tipped on it is that, you know, worrying about them situations. Of course, they're always going to happen, but you know, with their tails have been up, if they, that goal, goal had gone in, you know, on 30 minutes, you know, um, they had a couple of lesser chances as well in the area. But other than that, man, they were just pot shoot, shooting. So the fear I think is, you know, watching how, uh, Tierney was coming down and careering down that down that flank, you know, and listen, Canos had a great game. So, you know, what happens if we bring in a, a right back? Where does Canos fit into the situation? You know, maybe he's a, he's actually on the pitch or maybe he's a super sub that comes on. There's fantastic things. I don't know, but I think we need to watch out for that and not think that we are totally and utterly in the clear here as well. But um, listen, that's not taking away from anything that we've done because I think that we've actually done really fantastic as well. So listen, just, you know, we talked about things that we're, we're watching up for. Just, I'm going to ask you guys, just looking at that game, just for you to just uh, gush a little bit and just tell us, you know, give us a, a summing up of where we're at the moment now, how you're feeling and just what you saw at that game and over the weekend, Laney. Um, where I where my head at is that we against the other teams that came up, um, we we won, Watford won, and Norwich who come up against. See, the Norwich result is 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 the kind of thing that could have gone happened to us if if Arsenal had gone a goal up. They they went a goal down, and you know. Cl- Liverpool grew, they got stronger, Arsenal would have probably done the same. So where I'm at is, as I said, riding that euphoric crest of the wave, relieved that we didn't get humiliated, relieved that we've got points on the table, relieved that we can win uh, uh, matches at this level. And I, where I'm at at the moment is I can't wait for next Saturday. I can't wait for my, the first away game at Palace. It's going to be epic. Bring it on, mate. This is definitely looking forward to that as well. And check out as well. I've got an interview with the Five Year Plan podcast as well. You know, the Palace podcast. So I'm going to be chatting to them in the next day or so. Charlie Talbot. Um, actually, not, not Charlie Talbot. Actually, not, not at all Charlie Talbot, you know. But I'm going to be talking to <laughs> the Five Year Plan as well. Um, and, uh, and, and we're going to be talking all things Palace. You know, they might even be able to tell us we're we should be drinking Michael Wicks as well, you know, and, uh, and, and play things like that and about their team, because obviously we haven't got the knowledge that we have of the championship and we need to get it all. So check that out. And then there'll be a clip of that on the, on the, on the, on the Thursday podcast that comes up. Uh, Robin, you know, just give us a little sum up of uh, just how you're feeling now. I'm feeling it now. I'm thinking back um, that this time in last year in 2020, where we were coming to terms with the playoff loss to Fulham, and in that time, it's been a pretty rollercoaster emo- you know, emotional ride and ups and downs for me personally and for a lot of people. But after the playoff final victory, I didn't think it could get much better. But for some reason, I found and that playoff final was pretty pretty spectacular. But look, Friday night was even more special to me. I think uh, in the circumstances, it really brought just a load of joy and my my head is currently at we are no longer expected to do well we're no longer living with such high expectations from our um from our fan base from our 
the league that we're in, we have a bit of a free hit this season. And I'm just always going to be looking forward to the next game. A new opponent, a new potentially a new away ground, new players that we're going to be playing against, some of the best in the world. I'm very, very relaxed. Is, is my way of thinking at the moment, which is an unusual position to be in for a Brentford fan. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I actually, and I'm going to be honest, I, I wasn't sure. I just didn't know. People are always asking you, are we going to do it? Are Brentford going to do this? Are they going to stay up? Are they going to stay down? Are they going to compete? Are they going to score those goals? Are Ivan Tony going to do, you know, score goals? Is your defence going to be able to handle it? And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't really answer the question. You answer it with a little bit of kind of knowledge and bravado, but you don't really know because you've got no barometer. You know, it's easy in the championship because you've played all these teams before, so you can do the right barometer. But with these teams, it's really, really hard. And you can only match yourself up against Villa, who have got better players since, and Leeds United have got, you know, more players in. So it makes it really hard. So I, you know, even though you did the bravado thing, didn't really know what's going to happen against Arsenal. And you didn't know whether or not they're going to come out all guns blazing. We're going to be like, you know, to put the hatches down and we're going to sort of struggle. But the thing for me that summing up in all of this, I feel really, really happy and proud that we actually are able to hold our own in this division. And we've got players who are, I'd say, uh, as good as a lot of players in this division. There's some very, very good players in this division. That's how it works. And then there's a lot of other players in this division. And we've got some players who are as good as these other players in this division. I think some are potentially will grow into being actually some of the better players in this division. And for me, that was a really, really good sign. And I'm, I'm really, really proud that they were able to do that. And they held their own against an Arsenal team and uh, we played good football. And, you know, for me, the takeaway is the surprise for people about the football that we played. I haven't seen much of the day yet because I had to, to record it because I wanted to watch it with my daughter, you know, and she, she was away for a, for a sleepover. So I've recorded it and I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard the, 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 the words coming back saying, you know, apparently how we, I think we battered or we, you know, we really dealt with Arsenal, you know, we really, really hammered them or something. I don't know exactly what they said, but things like that, you know, makes me feel really proud because for years we've been trying to tell people what we're about even last couple of years, we were saying we're playing really good football. But as I said earlier, people don't seem to have any interest at all in the championship. So you have to come to the Premier League and actually start playing your football and actually start beating teams like Arsenal for people to actually take notice. And the nice thing about it is that people have started to take notice. Hopefully we'll be able to continue it in the future and do it again. So that's my little summing up. But listen, that's a nice little chat there. You know, nice, sharp and succinct, as they say, relatively succinct, just giving us a little bit of a vibe on what happened at the weekend. We'll be talking about that a lot more, but also the Crystal Palace game, which we've got on the weekend, because obviously we need to know a lot about Crystal Palace and how we're going to take what we did on Saturday and take it into the game on next Saturday at Palace. You know, we're going to be talking about where we're going, how we're getting there, are we getting to any pubs, what, what do we do? So we'll find out all that information, I'll say, on the Thursday podcast, which we record Wednesday night in the pub. But listen, Laney, it's good for me to sit here. I'm Billy Grant, and I've been sitting here with my chums. I've got Laney in the house. Laney. Good evening. Good evening, Laney. We've also got the Robin Hood. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. So Robin Hood. So listen, check us out. Thursday. Um, proud of West.London. We've got the next podcast, but I'm very delighted. I'm very proud to say that we actually beat the Arsenal. And it was a great way. And I got away. We've got the weekend. And I start working as we say. Come on, please. We beat the Arsenal, man. What a day to be alive.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.